My name is David McFarlane. McFarlane's a Scottish name. Uh, Scottish people are famous for being frugal, which is another word for cheap. <laughs> and my grandfather, Duncan McFarlane, he once won a trip for two to Hawaii, and he went twice. <laughs> I'd like to speak this morning about a topic that's very close to my heart I love, and that is that the words we speak can change the destiny of somebody's life. Not positive thinking, but what does the Bible say about the power of encouragement? By a show of hands, how many of you are who you are because somebody at some key point in life encouraged you? That's right. The good news is that it's not a calling, it's a gift that every one of us that follows Jesus, every one of us can be an encourager. It's a gift available to everyone. The word encourage means the action of giving someone support, confidence, and hope. There was a man who went to uh, Tennessee with his wife. He was a professor at a Bible college, Mr. Craddock, and they were sitting in this little coffee shop having breakfast. A big man comes into the room. He starts greeting everybody, knows the big man. He gets to their table, says, hello, I'm Ben. What's your name? He says, I'm Craddock. What do you do? I'm a professor. I teach pastors at a seminary. And the big man said, can I sit at your table? So the guy said, okay. So the big man sits down with Professor Craddock and his wife and said, look out the window. Do you see those little hills over there in Tennessee? In those hills, there was a boy born quite a number of years ago. The little boy was born without knowing who his father was. His mother was very promiscuous, and, and so he never knew. And the, the friends and neighbors and the people there, a very poor area, they called him a bastard. And they made fun of him, and they taunted him. And at school, they threw things at him. He was the outcast, the one that knew, didn't know his father was. It was a big deal, and they made his life miserable. As he grew older, people were talking about him. He always felt embarrassed. He felt he was a nobody, had a sense of inferiority, poor kid, because everybody made fun of him. One day, there was a preacher who came to town and did such a great job that everyone went to hear him. And so this little boy went too. wasn't a church going normally. He sat at the back and got excited about this preacher who talked about how God can change lives through Jesus Christ. And there's always hope with God. And it was a wonderful message of encouragement. The little boy stayed too long. He normally slipped away before all the other people came and pointed fingers at him. And by that time, the, the pastor was already at the door. And he was greeting people as they left. And when he got to the little boy, the big pastor's new guy shook, shook the little boy's hand and said, Hey, son, whose son are you? And all of a sudden, he didn't know who his father was. And right there, quick as a, quick as a wimp, as a whip, quick as a whip, Okay, there you go. Quiver the whip. The, the pastor said, oh, I know whose son you are. You're a son of God. And you have a great heritage. Go and claim it. And the big man said, that little boy, because of those words, all of a sudden felt that he was a somebody and that God was with him. And his life changed because of those words. So he said to Craddock, I want you to tell the pastors that when they speak, the words they have have the power to change destiny of people. Because that little boy was me. And he got up and left. They, they asked, who was that guy? He was Ben Hooper, twice governor of Tennessee. The words we speak make a difference. Now, encouragement comes in different forms. 
It can be praise, where we appreciate somebody, and we take the time to tell them, you sang really well. By the way, the team today sang really well. And, and they smile, and they, they mean it. And you, you know, we want to be affirmed. We, we value that. It helps, encourages us to continue, doesn't it? And then sometimes it's inspiration, you know. The times are going to change, and you're in the right place at the right time. Or, or maybe confidence, you know, you've got what it takes, you've got the gifts, you've proven yourself, we believe in you. These are words that are, are powerful words. There was a man who went to have his hair cut, and he went to have his hair cut, and as he's barber's cutting his hair. The barber said, what do you do? The man said, I'm a businessman. I'm a, in fact, I'm leaving tomorrow on Alitalia Airlines to go to Rome, and I'm going to do a business transaction. I'm even hoping to meet the Pope while I'm there. And the, the barber says, you don't want to do that, sir. You need to know that Alitalia is a terrible airline. The flights are always late. The food is terrible on the flight. There's no service whatsoever. And Italian people, they're a bunch of crooks. I mean, that's where the mafia comes from. You, you, you don't want to go to Italy. I mean, and, and that business deal, they're going to rip it. You rip you off. I mean, you're not going to make any sales. Don't, don't get your hopes up. And the Pope's too busy to see you. So, so the next month, he's back. Same guy to have his hair cut again. And the... The barber says, well, good to see you. Did you go to Italy? And the man said, as a matter of fact, I did. Alitalia, the best airline I've ever flown on. It was wonderful. And the Italian people, they were so friendly and they laughed and they have the best food you ever want to eat. And business-wise, I closed the deal, got the biggest commission check I've ever got, and I even got to see the Pope. And I went in, and as I knelt and kissed his ring, the Pope said to me, where did you get such a terrible haircut? The, the problem is that too many of us, too many of us are like the barber. And we forget that the words we speak can affect people. And we need to change our language. You see, in the book of Hebrews, it says this, Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching, to encourage, encourage. You see, sadly, many of us were not encouraged. I was brought up in an alcoholic home, abusive home. My dad called me stupid in front of others, hit me in front of my friends sometimes. I grew up with a huge inferiority complex. I thought I had an IQ below plant life. I was so shy, honestly, that I couldn't even lead in silent prayer. Okay. And brought up in a bad situation. It wasn't until I met Jesus Christ at 23 as a very angry young man in a small church in Buenos Aires, Argentina, where I grew up, where I prayed and I began my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I found out that we have a God in heaven who loves us and that the Bible is a book of encouragement which gives us hope, gives us peace, and talks about a life that's worth living. Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. Contrary to popular opinion, instead of God being up there trying to make our lives miserable and make us feel guilty, he's offering us life of significance, a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose, a sense of peace in the midst of the storms of life, an eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow. Wow. So we need to be people who encourage. I treat my kids the opposite of how I was brought up. 
because we need to encourage. So I want to look at six practical things that each and every one of us can do to be more encouragers with the words that we speak because we are affecting the destiny of children and friends and neighbors and your partner, your marriage and your businesses. Number one is to speak hope. Speak hope. We're living in a world with very little hope. You see, it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. And then first need is, is the need for hope in a world that, that has so little hope. There's a guy in the Bible who, who really, his middle name was encouragement. It says here in Acts 4, it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So this is a guy. He has the gift of encouragement, which, by the way, as I said, is available to everyone who is a follower of Jesus. Okay? And, and he had the gift of encouragement. And we see, for example, in Acts chapter 11, how he uses this gift. It says, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived, he saw what the grace of God had done, and he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. The best encouragement you could do is to help people know Jesus and to follow Jesus with all their heart. That's the best thing you can do. In Acts, it also continued to say, and he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. All the people that have encouraged me as Christians have all been people that were full of the Holy Spirit, people of faith, and were good people. Because, you see, that's what the gift of the Spirit of God does. It, it helps us to encourage. And people are attracted to people who encourage. That's why he brought so many people to the Lord. We need to speak hope. Because, you see, Jesus was all about hope. In John 6, verse 63, it says, The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Now, the Pharisees, the religious people of Jesus' day, the, the, the bunch of, you know, judgmental folk, they, they were the opposite. And the Pharisees in our churches are the opposite too. Their words were not spirit and life. They were... Everything was grumbling and complaining and finding fault and, and pointing out the errors. And, and, and they were pulling people down instead of building them up. They were, they were not about spirit and they were certainly not about life. They were killing dreams and killing aspirations. I don't want to be like that. You don't want to be like that. If we're a follower of Jesus, we want our words to be spirit and life. When Jesus saw the woman caught in adultery, everyone tried to stone her. What did Jesus do? He said, no, neither do I condemn you. Come up, go and sin no more. You see, he gives hope to us when we mess up. Jesus is about hope. He's about hope. To the lepers who had a disease that were outside the camp, they had to ring a bell because they were so scared of this disease that was so contagious. And they were thrown out of society. They were the outcasts of their day. We have them in our day. But Jesus didn't outcast them. He reaches out to the broken and the, uh, the ostracized and the lonely. And he touches people like you and you and me. Jesus' words are spirit and life. To, to, to Nicodemus, he says, you need to be born again. Nicodemus is searching for meaning and purpose. And he doesn't say, you can never get it. He says, no, you need to be born again. You, you can change God. You can spiritually be born again. The words he spoke to Lazarus, who was dead. Jesus says, come forth. And Lazarus comes alive. God takes broken, hurting, dead things and makes them alive. 
And that's what I want to be. And that's what you want to be. We want to be people whose words are like Jesus. Leave the criticism to the Pharisees. And you speak words that are spirit and that are life, giving hope to a broken world. So number one, speak hope. Number two, it's the need to speak with action. Because, you know, words are cheap. It's your life and the actions that really show what you really are about. And that's what encourages it. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on. So we need to stop and consider, how can I encourage that person? What can I do for my daughter, for my grandchild? What can I do for my friend, for my neighbor, for my partner, for my marriage? What can I do? What can I do to make, make a difference? What actions can I take? You see, in Acts 11 we read that when the, the church wanted to encourage these new Christians in Antioch, they sent, they sent Barnabas. They did something. They said they need encouragement. Let's send them. Maybe you need to phone someone. Or you need to take a gift to someone. Or maybe you need to email or, or tweet or something. You know what the original tweet was? It was, I taught, I taught putty tat. My jokes don't get any funnier. <laughs> we need our words to be spirit and life. Spirit and life. This guy, Kenneth Murray, was an executive with the Goodyear Corporation in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And I was with American Express. I now leave home without it. And that's a joke for very old people, I'm afraid. <laughs> uh, and Kenneth Murray took the time. I was a brand new believer. I was 23 years old, not a Christian background, not a Christian at all. And at 23, I came to a church like this one, sat at the back where you're sitting probably. And I, I was wondering if there was life, wondering if there was a God. And, 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 and I prayed a prayer that I'm going to pray with you simply because it changed my life and it could be the beginning of your spiritual life. I was on a spiritual journey searching. I was an angry, angry, angry young man, abused and, and broken, alcoholic, and all those problems. And I was sitting where you're sitting. And I remember saying, God, I, I, I don't understand you, but I, I know I can't keep doing what I'm doing. I'm like on a treadmill. There's got to be more to life than this, I said. There's got to be more to life than this. Maybe you've been asking that. And sitting there, I said, God, don't understand, but I need Jesus in my life. And I prayed a prayer that I'm going to pray with you later. And, it, it, and that prayer, that the Chinese say that every long journey begins with the first step. And that was the first step in my spiritual journey. I asked Jesus to come into my life. And I started journey with Jesus. I put my hand in his. And this guy took the time to, to come and encourage me. And we met for lunch at a restaurant called a kid, Andi in Buenos Aires. And he would meet with me every week and, and he would pray with me and he would phone me and check that I was okay. And I learned a lot from watching how he treated his wife and his children. He was a good man. You see, encouragement is not just, just giving hope, but it's also the actions that we take. The actions that we take. Number three is to speak challenge. Speak challenge. You see, encouragement isn't all just nice, new, no, new, no, do, no, nice little flowery, hallmark type words. It isn't. It's sometimes we've got to push people. We've got to help them to make the decisions to develop those gifts, to go for that degree, to do that job, 
You know, we see potential that they don't see in themselves, and we don't push them by criticizing. We encourage them. Look what it says. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. The word spur comes from spurs on the cowboy's boots made of metal, and they get on the horse, and they know the horse can jump that fence. The horse doesn't want to. It doesn't think it can't. And so you spur, which means you hurt the horse. It's uncomfortable for the horse. And he ends up jumping the fence, hopefully, with you on it, hopefully. <laughs> okay? Hopefully. Okay? Okay? So we spur one another on. Spur one another on. And, and it takes effort to do. The story in Acts chapter 11 is very interesting. It says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Now the story you need to understand is that Saul was anti-Christian. That's right, he hated Christians. He was a, a Pharisee, and he had got a gang of people, and they were killing Christians and throwing them into prison. And, and, and I, yeah, that's what they were doing. And so all of a sudden, in Acts chapter 9, this guy who hated Christianity suddenly meets Jesus in a dream and has a conversion. Just like I had a conversion in 23, and you can have one this morning right here. And his life changed from that moment on. When you meet God, that's what happens. And his life changed. And so now he was a Christian. But the church in Jerusalem was scared stiff because he'd been persecuting Christians. They thought this was a trap that he's pretending to be a Christian, to find out who we are, then he'll send the secret police to, to take us. Huh? But Barnabas, the gift of encouragement, takes a risk and goes and befriends Paul and introduces him to the Christians and says, this guy is a real deal. That's what encouragers do. They're willing to take the risk. In fact, there wouldn't be a whole bunch of epistles written by Paul in our Bible had it not been for Barnabas. The gift of encouragement is life-changing. Life-changing. It's a really powerful gift. You need to realize, to challenge. This guy, Kenneth Murray, that, that I mentioned earlier, when I came to Christ at 23, two weeks after my conversion, he said to me, David, I want you to teach Sunday school next Sunday. I didn't know one end of the Bible from the other. I thought it started in generation and finished in revolution. I thought an epistle was the wife of an apostle. <laughs> and I didn't know if Jonah had eaten the whale or the whale had eaten Jonah. I really didn't know. And so, but it, but I, I said yes, because my friend said, I believe you can do this. I believe you've got the gift. And, and, and I just committed my life to Christ, and this guy helped me, so I felt obliged to. So I took this job, scared stiff, scared silly of speaking to people. I mean, and even there were six-year-old kids, snotty kids. And I, what did I have to tell them? I knew nothing. I mean, goodness gracious. And every time I talked to these little kids about this Jesus I met, I would cry because Jesus had changed my life. And it was fresh. Well, the wonderful news is that God used me and many of those kids today are grown up and following Jesus. But it wouldn't have happened without Kenneth Murray, who pushed me. I now preach across Canada in the biggest churches from coast to coast and all sorts of other places. It's no big deal. None of that would happen had this guy, Kenneth, not pushed me. You know, we need to speak hope. Do you see that? We need to speak with action. And we need to speak challenge to help people to become all that they can be in God. God wants us to succeed in every way. 
And then we need to speak with love. Number, number four, we need to speak with, with love. It goes on to say, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Love and good deeds. Wow. It says in Acts 13, it says, Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue. You see, the background is that Barnabas was the old-time Christian. He, he, everybody knew him. They respected him. He was a great leader. Then along comes this upstart, Saul, that Barnabas helps. And it's, you know, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul. But then in Acts 13, Paul becomes more important, a greater speaker, a better writer. And, and all of a sudden it switched, where now Paul gets the headlines and Barnabas is the, the opening act. You see? Now, if he didn't love, he'd be threatened, wouldn't he? Who does he think he is? I taught him everything he knew. <sighs> Who does he think? But you see, when you love, you want the other person to succeed. It drives me crazy to see fathers who try to outdo their kids. We want our kids to do better than we did, don't we? We want to love them. There's a guy in Winnipeg called Mark Hughes. Mark Hughes is a friend of mine. I've known him. He reminded me 27 years. He heard me speak in Ottawa when he had a little storefront church in, in Winnipeg. And he had me come, and I came all the time. I've been his mentor for years. And, and we, I helped him take the church from a little storefront to where now he has about three or 4,000 people on a Sunday. His church is far more successful. The biggest church I led grew to fifteen or 1,600. And this was like 3,500 people. You know what? I'm thrilled. I'm just thrilled that God uses people. Isn't that exciting? And that they do well. So the words we speak need to be full of love, which takes us to this. This is something that you should copy and put on your fridge. Before I speak, if I want to be an encourager, before I speak, I need to think. Before I say anything, I need to think. Number one, is what I'm going to say true? Is it true? Okay. Or is it just gossip? Number two, is it H, is it helpful? Is this going to help the other person? Number three, is it inspiring? Is this going to help the person become, release the potential they have? Is it going to benefit them? And is it necessary? There are some things that are better left unsaid. You don't have to say them. Instead of saying them, breathe through your nose. And then, is it kind? Is it kind? That's a good thing, isn't it? Because I want to be, as a follower of Jesus, a person who encourages, don't you? I want my words to be spirit and life, not death and pull down. There's a guy who went to a job site and he, he saw they were tearing down a house and he went up to the foreman and said, what kind of skills are needed to pull down a house? And they said, the foreman said, anybody can pull down a house, but building it takes a lot of skill. Anyone can pull things down, right? Anyone. Think before we speak. There was two old ladies, two biddies, and they were knitting in front of the window of the house I do my own choreography. <laughs> and they're knitting. And, and they look, and across the road lives a widow, a young widow. And, and they see the young pastor, a single pastor coming on. I do my own sound effects. 
Okay. And the, the young pastor goes into the young widow's house. Shame and scandal. And, and they watch the next day. The, the young pastor goes in. So they start talking. He's having an affair. The next day they see him go in again. And every day he goes in same time. And they start talking. You know, he's having adultery or, or, or maybe fornication or one of the two. Okay. And they go, oh, you know. The, and so as a consequence it spreads. And soon the elders grab the young pastor. They sit him down. And they say, we've heard the stories about this, this, this. And the young pastor does not defend himself. Says nothing. They fire him. They defrock him. They kick him out of the church for, for committing adultery. The pastor packs his things to leave and go in shame. As he's packing to leave, the young widow dies of cancer. And they discover that the young widow knew she was dying. And she asked the pastor, to visit her every day, to give a communion because she wanted to be ready to meet God because she loved Jesus and wanted communion to have a heart right because she didn't know when she was going. And she said, don't tell anyone about cancer. I don't want people have people's pity. You keep quiet about it. The pastor honored her. And when they found out that he wasn't having an affair, that he was helping this woman die with dignity, they oh no, look what we've done. Oh! I do a lousy woman, don't I? <laughs> and it, so the two biddies come and they say, Pastor, we're so sorry for what we did. We didn't know. You've lost your ministry and we've discredited you. And, oh, what we terrible we've done. And you were a good pastor too. And the pastor says, I have something I want you to do. And they said, we'll do anything. We'll do anything. And he he takes a pillowcase full of down feathers and he says to the two biddies, I want you to take this pillowcase to the top of the little hill in the village, open it up and throw the feathers out. And so they said, we'll do anything, we'll do anything. So they take the feathers in the, in the pillowcase and they go up to the top of the hill. They tear it open and they throw the feathers and the wind takes the feathers and it flows, it, it blows this way and it blows that way. And soon the feathers are all over the village. They come back with the empty pillowcase and you can see the story coming, don't you? And they come up to the pastor. We did what you said. We did what you said. And then he said, I want you to go and now collect all the feathers. They said, whoa, we can't do that. They're everywhere. That's the point. When we say something, we need to think before we say it. Because once it's said, we've released it. And we cannot bring it back. Isn't that a good word? Help us to think before we speak. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Is it kind? There was a, a lady who worked at the complaints counter at Sears when there was a Sears. Sad, eh? And so she had to put up with complaints every day. She's going to work one day, and the husband who loves her said, you look terrible. He said, well, i got to hear more and more grumbling and more and more complaining, and that's my job. 
And so she goes to work discouraged, and he wants to encourage her because he loves it, and he wants to encourage her. So he, he buys her favorite chocolates and buys a bouquet of her favorite flowers and makes a reservation at her favorite restaurant, and he goes to Sears, and he lines up in the line, complaint line, where she's at the counter, the complaints counter, and he waits her his turn. And she's, you know, talking about the poor person who's grumbling about the microwave that fried the cat and... <laughs> You know, the toaster that burnt the house down and all that. And then he gets to the counter. She looks up, all discouraged. And there he is, and a big smile. He says, I love you. I felt so sorry for you this morning. I thought I'd do something to encourage you. Here are the flowers. Here are the chocolates. I make a reservation, and we're going out for dinner tonight. And she says, starts crying, and she hugs him and gives him a huge big kiss. And when he leaves, the next in line says, I have the same problem he has. <laughs> the point... <laughs> I'll wait for you. <laughs> the point is, you see how encouragement is all the things we talked about, isn't it? We see that, that encouragement means giving hope, how encouragement means action, how encouragement means challenging, leaving our comfort zone, right? Uh, we see how, how encouragement means love. It does. And number five is to speak faith. Speak faith. You see, it says, let us consider how we may spur one another to our deeds, sorry, encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. And you need to see that every person has incredible potential. And we need to believe that, and give them faith to believe that they can develop their gifts and become everything that God has put within them. God has put dreams within you. And he's given you gifts and abilities and talents and opportunities to, to make a difference with your life. You were born for significance. You have a destiny. In Ephesians it says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God had prepared in advance for us to do. God has things for us to do. For Him, isn't that exciting? God wants to use us to change our world and to change our, our family and to change our, our marriage. And, and He's got better plans than we have. Isn't that exciting? Wow. Yeah. God has these plans. We need faith. But sometimes we don't have that faith. That happened in the story. You see, it says, Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, with him. But Paul did not think it wise to take him. So Barnabas is saying, we want to take Mark with us. And Paul says, no, because he deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them on the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted coming. And Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. So Paul has no patience. I don't believe this guy. He let us down once. I'm not going to give him another chance. He had no faith in Mark. But Barnabas did. Barnabas believed that this guy deserved a second chance because God believes in second chances. Aren't you glad? God believes in second And so, so Barnabas continues the Mark, and Mark grows because of Barnabas, because Barnabas has faith in Mark. And at the end of his life, when Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 11, Paul says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with me because he is helpful to me in my ministry. And doctrinal students and theologians have agreed that Mark was most likely the same Mark and he was the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. There wouldn't be a Gospel of Mark 
had it not been for Barnabas. That is how powerful the words you speak are in changing destiny. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Faith to make a difference. Now, you need to know Jesus to do that. So you, you've got potential. But the very first thing you need to do is make sure that you have made your peace with God. That you know Jesus Christ for yourself. A scripture that really hit me as a young man when I was 23, wondering if there was a God, searching. Uh, I, I was on my spiritual journey just as we all are on our spiritual journey. I don't know where you're at in yours, but, but I, it was John 1.12, which says, um, But as many as received him, to those he gave, to, but as many received it, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, to those who receive him. And, and there's a passage in Revelation 3.20 where Jesus is speaking. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, anyone, hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and sup with him and him with me. And so we, the picture is this, that God is, is reaching out to all of us. Every, everybody on the planet, God is reaching out. But many of us don't want him. We just, no thank you. We don't care if he's reaching out to us. We don't care if somehow he's knocked on our life. Maybe you have a Christian friend or you've been to church or you heard a gospel. But, but it, he's knocked on our door. He's knocked on yours, probably knocked on mine for sure. But we have a decision to make. We can leave the door closed and say, God, I'm not going to receive you. I just go try somebody else. Or we could say as I did at 23, God, I've tried on my own and I haven't succeeded. I opened my life to you this morning. And I open the door and say, God, I want to receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus said, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is a way to God through Jesus Christ. And how do you do that? Well, you need to pray. And pray and say, God, I, I repent of my sins, I, I, of my mistakes. We've all made them, by the way, me too. And I ask you into my life this morning. I want to begin a relationship with you. I ask you to be my Savior. I believe you're the Son of God who lived, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life like we sang in the Creed. And he was buried and rose again. Don't understand it, but by faith this morning, I, I open the life to you. And I hope that at the end, we're going to pray for people at the front. And I'm so glad that I prayed like you can pray this morning and say, God, I need a change. I need that. And the greatest encouragement of all is that you come to know Christ. And you could do it right here at the front in a few moments' time, just like I did, and say, God, I've tried on my own, but this morning I want to begin my relationship with you. And then the last point is to speak now. Speak now. You see, we think we've got time, but we don't have time. We've only got today. My father used to say, two favors saying, one was, uh, if at first you don't succeed, then skydiving is not for you. <laughs> and the other one was, Live every day if it's your last, because one of these days you're going to be right. And look what it says here in Hebrews. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. And the days with a capital D. That's a day that we will meet Jesus. So we, the older you get, the more of an encourager you have to be. The Bible says so. So, being baptized in lemon juice is not an option for Christians. Okay? The words we speak, spirit and life. 
In Ephesians it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to the needs, that they may benefit those who listen. So what have we seen here this morning? We've seen that the gift of encouragement, which is available to everybody, is about speaking hope, about speaking action, about speaking challenge, about speaking love, about speaking faith, believing in people, and about doing it now. Phoning that person, calling that person, giving your life to Christ this morning. Don't put it off. You don't know if you have tomorrow. You have now. When my kids were little, I had three daughters. My wife and I don't know how to make boys. We, we used to take them to the zoo, and then they'd let us out. <laughs> and our, we watched a news coverage once of a, of a polar bear that was donated to the Denver Zoo, a polar bear. They didn't have a polar bear, but they accepted the donation from another zoo. And so they, the polar bear came in a cage, and he could take six steps, and six steps, little cage, and they built a special habitat the size of this sanctuary for this polar bear. It was meant to take a couple of months, and then they were going to let the bear go and put him in this beautiful, with, with, with pools and waterfalls and pretend icebergs and everything. Beautiful. But instead of taking two months, it took two years. The poor polar bear was two years, six steps forward, six steps back. And then the day came when they inaugurated the new habitat. They got, took the polar bear out of the cage in this beautiful, beautiful place. And you know what he did? Yeah. He did six steps forward and six steps back. And some of you, that's you. Six steps forwards, six steps back. And the potential you have is endless. God has placed you to make a difference in lives. And it's as simple as speaking, as simple as caring, as simple as loving, as simple as reaching out, as simple as giving your life to Christ and beginning your relationship with God, or coming back to Christ. Some of you, God has brought you here this morning. You're not here by accident. And instead of walking six steps like you've been doing until now, my prayer this morning is you say, God, I've had enough. God, I want to make a change. I want to get out of that six step forward, six step back. There's a need for a change in my marriage, in my relationships, in my friends, in my business. I want to be encouraged in my own personal talk to myself and encouraged in the words I speak to others. I want to change the world and it starts in my mouth. And I want my words to be as Jesus' word. May the words I speak be spirit and life. Spirit and life. So we're going to stand. I'm going to invite Pastor Mark to come back this time. He said he would play the piano for me, so I assume he will. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Thank you so much. I hope you're encouraged. hope you're encouraged. Let's just bow our heads in prayer, shall we, just for a minute. Father, we just take a moment to thank you for the words of encouragement that, that the scriptures are. The words you speak to us are always spirit and life. You are always giving us hope and love and encouragement. And this morning, we want to respond. We want to leave here changed. We want to leave here with a new relationship with you. We want to leave here with a new relationship with people that matter in our lives, where we will start encouraging, we will start investing, we will start loving, we will start sharing. Oh God, and we will reach our world one life at a time starting this morning. So if God has spoken to you, if you want to begin that relationship with Christ, I could invite you to get out of your seats and just come forward right now. 
Just get out of your seats and say, God, you've spoken to me this morning. Just come down to the front. Just doesn't matter if you're there with somebody. Say to them, I'd, I'd like to, could you come with me? Just, just t- tap someone on the shoulder and say, I'm tired. This is a time for change. I need encouragement. Just take a moment to step out of, you don't have to do this. You can stay where you are and you go, go back the way you came. But I wouldn't. If God has spoken to you, don't come for me. I don't need you to come. But if God has spoken to you, if you see the need for a change, just take out, just turn it and just slip out right now. Just say, I'm going to pass. Let me through. They will let you through. If they don't hit them, <laughs> just step out and just come forward. You would. We have some counselors and things, prayer people, right? They're coming, aren't they? Prayer people start coming, whatever you are. There you go. Come. Yep. If there's anyone else, there you go. And just, I want you to pray with them. Please, come and, come and pray. Come around the front and pray with them. We're going to wait. I believe that there's a number of people who want to give their life to Christ and haven't come forward. Turn to someone and say, would you come down with me? Uh, don't put this off. Do it now. You don't know if you have tomorrow. You've got today. And if you want it from God and this is your moment, please tap them on the shoulder and say, I, I'm going to just come out with them. Just, just take a moment to come. We have all these counselors too. Come on, counselors. Do start ministering, please. Please start ministering. There you go. Keep coming, if that's you. Don't come for me again, but do come. God is good, isn't he? They're going to start praying uh, for them. I'm so glad you came. I'm speaking tonight at 6 o'clock the same message. You have, you have friends or even enemies that, I, that you think could benefit from this message. You know, they need encouragement or Invite them to come tonight. Send them that tweet or email or phone them and say, you know, we've got this crazy South American, 6 o'clock tonight, and have them come. Maybe they go to another church. You think this message could help them? I'm going to close with this, if I may. Can I close? Is that all right with you? We're, we're nearly on time too, Pastor Paul. Okay. If there's anyone else who needs to come forward, do come before I close. Okay. Please. I just know that I have come forward often and every time it's been a step in my Christian walk because God knows that I meant business with him. I was willing to swallow my pride and come forward. So if that's you, do come. I close with this. There was a millionaire in the States, a multimillionaire, and he's dying and he's on the deathbed and he says, to, he says, I want to speak to my lawyer and my surgeon. And they think he's going to write a new will and testament. So they invite this, the, the lawyer and the surgeon to come. And he's on his deathbed, the old man, the rich man. And as he's there, he, he says to the lawyer and the surgeon, a little closer, please. So the lawyer gets closer, surgeon gets closer. A little closer, please. So the surgeon gets closer, lawyer gets closer. And, and then the old man says, Oh, I want to die just like Jesus between two thieves. We don't want to die like Jesus, but we want to live like Jesus and change the world. Turn to someone and give them a high five, would you? God bless you. Tell someone about tonight. Tell someone about tonight. God bless you. Thank you for coming.